It's amazing how the Holy Spirit works. We had no communication of my message and what we were singing. And yet, pre-prayer, prayer with the praise and worship team, everything points to the message. So the message must be from the Holy Spirit. And open, I want you to open your hearts this morning that you may receive from God. Please don't look at the vessel bringing the message. Just let it get into your heart. Open your heart and receive from God. Wasn't last week also awesome with the baptism? To all of those that have been baptized, public announcement of what's going on in your heart. And I would encourage those that hadn't been baptized yet to do so. Because it's a commandment of God. Jesus was baptized. And at his baptism, the heavens opened. The Spirit of God descended and filled him. And so also, he can fill us. I just want to start off by saying thank you to the pastors, to the leadership, for this wonderful opportunity. It is truly a privilege and an honor to stand here. Please know that we don't take it for granted to serve Lord. We heard last week in Pastor Ronell's message, and you'll hear in this message also, is we are here to serve. So all you need to do is just to submit and to provide ourselves for service. Pastor Ronell's message was about obedience. At your word, I will. It's a story of Mary and Simon. Common stories, stories that, uh, that we hear and we can read of, and yet they have special meaning in our lives. You see, we are called to carry Christ into the world. The favor that God bestows upon us is not for our own benefit. It is there for service. And I thank God for the favor that he's put on my life to be of service. Pastor Ronell also said, obedience precedes miracles and your destiny. So if you want to know what your destiny is, if you want miracles and blessings in your life, obedience, submission to God's word. And the themes of last week's message and this week's message, and I just want to add, if you haven't heard the message, do yourself a favor. It is on YouTube. Go and listen to the message. God is speaking to his people. God is speaking to our hearts. We need to be obedient. Can we close our eyes? Let us pray. Lord, today we recall your faithfulness. Thank you that you walk with us every day, that you are with us in each moment. Thank you for your promises that are true. And your goodness never fails us. In this moment, we come to you and we lay our lives before you. May we worship and adore you with every fiber of our being. May everything with us, within us cry, Holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was, who is, and is to come. And so today we join with all those who worship and confess you as Lord, from generations past and present, and with all the angels that sing in heaven of your greatness and beauty. 
Lord, we adore you. Lord, we love you. You are so precious to us. Amen. God is truly awesome. Worthy of our praise. The title of my message is God's Rest is God's Best. So often we we are consumed with the circumstances of life, troubles in our life, tribulations that we are going through, that we forget that God's rest is God's best. And it talks of a peace. And the peace in the Bible is the most pregnant word because it deals with the spirit, with the soul, and the body. You see, the peace is, it's a peace that is not just the absence of noise, the absence of difficulty, or the absence of conflict. No. It describes the presence of someone. It is positive. It is a person. It is the permeance of the presence of the Prince of Peace. It is God within us. The Holy Spirit that dwells within us brings us that peace. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Famous verse. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Beloved, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, God's peace, not the world's peace, not the peace that we think in our minds, God's peace, which passes all understanding, you cannot fathom that peace. It passes all understanding. God's word will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Now I want to dwell on a story that is, 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 is famous, famous all over the world. A lot of unbelievers also know the story. The Jewish faith is built on the story. And for us, it has a special meaning in our lives. Is the story of Passover, the story of the Israelites in Egypt. For 400 years, they've been in Egypt. From blessed people to slaves, they found themselves in a foreign country being slaves to the local people. And more important, the events which led up to the time of their departure out of Egypt and into the wilderness on the way to the promised land. We read that they cried out to God and God heard them and He was going to take them out of Egypt into a promised land. And you can remember that after nine plagues, Pharaoh had hardened his heart towards God and then God promised that because of this, He would smite the firstborn of every family and the firstborn of all the cattle of Egypt. Well, let us never find ourselves in a position where we harden our hearts towards God. God had promised the Israelites that He would lead them out of the Egypt and into the promised land, a land of milk and honey, 
a land of abundance. This we find in Exodus 12 and onwards, where God instructs the Israelites to sacrifice an unblemished lamb and to brush the blood of the lamb on the lintels and the doorposts. The doorposts and the lintel. A representation of the cross. Once again, God speaks to blood. Blood needs to be shed for the redemption of his people. Blood was shed on the cross, paying a price that we could not pay. Beloved, once again, let us never forget the price that was paid on the cross. Let us always hold it before us, the importance of it, the love of God sending His Son, Jesus Christ, to save His people so that there can be relationship again between a disobedient people and God, a drawing in of His people towards God. How awesome is our God. See, and this journey doesn't only represent a people who didn't know God. No. These were people who knew their God. Does this not also represent our journey in the wilderness? We have not yet reached our destination, but we're still on a journey. We are still in our own wilderness. And I want you to open your Bibles to Hebrews 4, where we will be discussing the first few verses of the Hebrews 4. And in Hebrews 4, the first few verses, we find the experiences on the road to the promised land. And the first experience that they had was the experience of fear. Hebrews 4 verse 1, Therefore, since a promise remains of the entering of his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. But doesn't the Bible teach us that we should not fear? Paul writes to, to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. He writes to the Romans also in Romans 8 verse 15, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. But we are told to fear. But this is a different fear we are told to engage as followers of Christ. Psalm 111 verse 10 the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Hebrews 12, 28, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. This is the fear that we must have, a godly fear, a reverence, a reverence for a God that provided His Son, Jesus Christ, so that we can have communion with Him again. This fear is not the terror of God or the fear of losing our salvation, no. It is a healthy awe and a respect for the nature of God, for who He is, and what He has designed for us as followers. A reverential fear of God. Not the man upstairs, 
Beloved, it's not the man upstairs. He is God. God Almighty. The creator of heaven and earth. Who by His voice created everything that is around us. The ancient Israelites left Egypt with the blessing of God. But they lost their sense of who they were in the wilderness. And by the time they got to the borders of Palestine, they were so filled with unbelief, they could not enter into God's best for them. We are also in the wilderness. Let us not get to a position of unbelief. The writer of Hebrews warns us as Christians that we can be believers of Christ, come out of our Egypt of sin and into our wilderness, and along the way we can lose our our quest for God's best. Do you remember when you first got saved, the zeal, the excitement that you had in your spirit? Where is that zeal? Where is that excitement gone? Have we lost it? If you don't listen when God speaks into your life, you will miss God's best for your life. Obedience. These situations are the sad consequences of our disobedience. And the writer of Hebrews is warning us against this. The second experience that we find in this, in this passage is the experience of failure. Hebrews 4 verse 2. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them. Not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. The mixed with faith speaks of a unity. There was no unity in their faith. That's why some didn't believe, some believed. That is why it is of utmost importance that we stand in unity. Where there is unity, God commands His blessing. Where there is unity, God commands His blessing. He doesn't pour it out, He commands it there. In your Bible, you have the word gospel. And we know that the gospel means the crucifixion, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But it also, mean, it also means good news. Here in this passage, it's describing the story of the two spies who were returning from the promised land and reporting of the good news. Everything God said about this land is true. And by the way, there's also some giants there. Can you see the difference? Same report, just different emphasis. The other ten spies concentrated on the giants. And they maybe missed even that it was a promised land. But for Caleb and for Joseph, Joshua, sorry. Pay attention. Just, just checking if you're awake and if you're following. Thank you. But yes, you are. We find this in Numbers 14, verse 7 and 8. That was the gospel of Caleb and Joshua. The Bible says that this gospel was of no value to them because it was not mixed with faith in those who heard it. See, there was no unity amongst the people. That's why they they heard the same report, but they just heard what they wanted to hear. And Caleb and Joshua said, let us enter into the land. It's a land of milk and honey. And by the way, there are giants. 
but we can overcome the giants with the power that is behind us. With God's power behind us, we can overcome that. And that is what we need to remember. That we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. A power that can overcome any giant in our lives. It just depends where our focus lies. Where are we united? Are we reunited with the, with the church, with the believers? Or are we united with the doubters? Then there's a third experience, the experience of faith. Hebrews 4.3 For we who have believed do enter that rest. And he said, So I have sworn in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Faith is a critical issue. And it is proven by this quotation. This was God's plan for his people. God's plan for his people was to take them out of Egypt into the promised land. Not only to take them out of Egypt and then leave them, let them wander on their own. No. God had a plan. God has a plan for our lives. What was God's plan for the Israelites? Not just to get them out of Egypt and then they were on their own? No. Is this not how we think of our faith sometimes? God saved me and now it's up to me to figure out what to do. So often we forget that we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. God's plan never ended when you asked Him into your life. That was just the beginning. So many of us think this way. We thank God I'm not going to hell and all is fine. So often we give our lives to the Lord because we have this fear of going to hell. And we forget there's so much more that God wants for each and every one of us. God was never satisfied to just get the Israelites out of Egypt. He wanted to get them into the promised land. He wanted to provide for them. He wanted them to have this glorious life of milk and honey. But between Egypt and Canaan, they fell victim to some of the same things that get us also. In the story, we hear that they became grumblers and complainers. They wanted to stone Moses at times and even wanted to stone Joshua and Caleb and murmured against Moses. So much so that Moses went to God and he said, what am I going to do with this people? They were miserable followers of their leader and the result was that they missed out on God's best for them. So often when we are complaining and we are murmuring, it means that our focus has been taken off our provider. Our circumstances have become so big because we've given it so much attention. And the influence of God on our circumstances has waned. The power that is within us, we've forgotten. We've taken our focus off that power that is within us. You see, God does not just want us to be saved from sin, even if that is important. It's a very important issue because he knows that you will spend eternity with him. He cares about the journey we are on also right now. God cares about his people. It is not just unto salvation, but also in the journey. 
until we enter into his. Most of the Bible is about this journey. It is about our wilderness. Are you lost in the wilderness today? You started out so good and glad we were out of Egypt. But along the way you have been discouraged and you've missed God's best for your life. You've missed it just like the Israelites. And because of fear, because of failure, because of lack of faith, you've not entered into your promised land and God's best for your life. Beloved, in this passage, there are also examples of the rest of the promised land. And the first example is the example of creation rest. Hebrews 4, verses 4 and 5. For he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all of his works. And again in this place, they shall not enter into my rest. Did you know that God has always wanted us to have rest? Adam and Eve, when they were dwelling in the garden, had this rest. They had need of nothing. Circumstances around them were pure. Was everything was there, provided for them. And that was God's intention for all of us. But because of disobedience, we find ourselves in a broken world. The second example is the example of Canaan rest. Hebrews 4, 6 and 7. Since therefore it remains that some must enter it, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience. Again he designates a certain day, saying in David, Today, after such a long time it has been said, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Beloved, here it is, out of God's word. Do not harden your hearts when you hear the word of God. What the writer in Hebrews is saying here is that Israel did not get what God had for them in the promised land. But the promised land was still there. But they didn't enter into it. Just as in the Old Testament that the Israelites didn't get it, it is still there. It is still there for us also if we want it. All we have to do is enter into it and to desire what God planned for us as His people. It is available to us, but we don't get it by osmosis. It doesn't happen naturally. In verses 11, it says that we are to be diligent to enter it. There's a work, there's a responsibility on our side also to do. We've all heard the famous saying, you do the possible, God will do the impossible. So there's a work, there's a responsibility. And that example is the, the example of Calvary's rest in verse, uh, Hebrews 4.11. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. We are to be diligent. It sounds like a double speak. Be diligent to have rest. We have to work to get the rest. Diligence is not striving. It is a submission. Same as our faith. We can't work for our faith. It is there. It is a submission. A submission to God. But if we are to know God's rest for our lives, there are certain things we are responsible for to enter into it. We enter into the discipline to allow God to give it to us. 
when Jesus hung on the cross at the end of salvation experience, he said, it is finished. That was the Egypt, the beginning for us. We are out of our Egypt now. We are on the road, and on this road, he has something special for us, something for you and for me that represents far more than we can comprehend. But we need to labor to be diligent to enter in again. And again, I say, the labor isn't something that we have to work to achieve it. No, it is a submission. A submission to the authority of God. A submission to the Holy Spirit that is within us that we can achieve this. Here is the key thing which I want you to take home with you. Most of us are out of our Egypt. And if you have not experienced the salvation, then you must allow me to pray for you so that you can enter in where God wants you to be. Thank goodness we are out of our Egypt and on our way to heaven. But how do we know how we are doing on the way to God's best? Here are two verses we all know well, but they are a help to us in the context of this question. And it brings us to the third point, the examinations of the requirements of the promised land. Hebrews 4.12 For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Again, how do we know that we are entering to God's best for our lives? Well, according to the author of Hebrews, there are two sources to which we may appeal. If we appeal to these two witnesses, we will discover how we are doing. The first examination is the examination of the Word of God. The Word of God cuts through all of our pretenses, doesn't it? It doesn't concern, it isn't concerned about our opinions, our thoughts, our personal being. No, it is the Word of God. The Word of God tells me about myself. Let's look at James 1, verse 23 to 25. And what does this verse, these verses say? For if, any is in the, if anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into, investigates the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not forgetful hearer, but a doer of these works, this one will be blessed in what he does. Beloved, don't we all want to be blessed? I'm sure we do. We have this yearning to be blessed. And here is a verse. Here is a word of God telling us exactly what we need to do. We are not just to hear the word of God, go out and forget what it's all about. I want to read that passage again. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. In other words, he's examining himself. He's looking at himself. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. It doesn't say what image he he was looking at, what kind of man he was. We need to examine ourselves. What kind of person are you? Are you generous? Are you kind? All the attributes that God wants for each and every one of us, those are the attributes that we need to strive after. 
thank God I'm out of Egypt and I'm on my way to God's best for me. But sometimes I am unsure of my motives. Not sure what I'm doing in my life and wondering if I've not been caught up with the things of the world. Maybe looking back to my time in Egypt just like the Israelites. We need to look to God's word. God's GPS for our lives. So often in today's world we drive and we switch on ways. GPS, and it tells us exactly which route we need to go. God's word is exactly the same. If you don't know where you are going, get into God's word. God's word will lead you on the right path. If you want to know where you are, read this book. And if you read this book, you will know who you are. So often we forget who we are. We are children of the Almighty God. Nothing can come against us if God is on our side. It even says that this book is so powerful that it cuts through all the spin stuff that we do and all of our pretenses. And if you read this book, you will know where you are on the road to God's best for your life. Not listening to motivational speakers, motivational writers and and all of those books. This is all the motivation that we need. And the second examination that we have is the God of the Word. Hebrews 4.13 And there is now no creature hidden from His sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of Him to whom we must give an account. Beloved, we cannot hide from God. He knows everything. Even the dark parts of our hearts, He knows those. He created us. The Creator knows everything about His creation. There is someone out there who is responsible for taking us out of Egypt and is looking down on us as we take this journey through the wilderness to His best. And I want to challenge you today as followers of Christ. And I know that I'm a little energized about this. But this has been a challenge to to me in my own life. I do not want to miss out on anything God has for me. And it's that reverential fear again. It's that fear of God that I might miss something. I'm out of my Egypt, praise God. And I'm on the road that is... And that's encouraging. I see the goal. I know where I'm headed. But it is about this journey and the fact that God wants to give me, my, give me rest. I know that it is about peace and tranquility and harmonious involvement. But it's far more than that. God's rest is God's best. God wants you to have His best in your life. And I want to challenge you today. Don't you dare be satisfied with anything less than God's best. And in closing, most importantly, Hebrews 4.14, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our profession. Beloved, isn't that what we're saying? Holy is God. Worthy 
of our praise. You see, we need to have boldness in this faith. We have the authority to possess this joy, this peace, this favor and blessing. You need to be a testimony to God. Your life needs to speak of who is inside of you. We need to give glory to God through the way that we live. We need to give glory to God and how we influence those around about us. We have faith in Jesus to salvation, but we also need faith in fellowship with Him. Let us pray. Dear God, you remind us over and over in your word that you are always with us. You tell us not to fear and you draw us close into your presence. You're the only place we find refuge in the storms that surround us right now, Lord. You're the only place we find peace and strength. So we ask you for the words of truth and the power to strengthen us in our inner being and life as we lift our hearts to you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you know the way we take and you have a plan. We look to you today, our Lord and Savior. It's your face we seek. Amen. Beloved, but it will be remiss of me not to, as I've alluded to in the message, to ask if there's anyone here today that has not made this decision to follow Jesus Christ. Or somebody that is out there that said that I made this decision a long time ago, but I'm not where God wants me to be. I'm wandering in this wilderness, not knowing where I'm going. And I need to realign myself again to the path that God wants me to take. If there's anybody, I just want you to raise your hand and I can pray for you. Beloved, today is the time. Today is the day of salvation if you have not been saved. Today is that time where you can give your life to to the Lord and where He can bless you and that He can take you on this path a short distance from Egypt to Canaan. Short. Apparently it will take you, take this, the the, the Israelites, it would have taken them 11 days. It took them 40 years. Why? Because of disobedience. And I don't want you to be disobedient this morning. If God is touching your heart, if the Holy Spirit is stirring your heart, come to, to Jesus. And if there isn't anybody in the house today, I still want to say this prayer. Possibly there's somebody listening online that is saying, Lord, I need you to come into my life. I want to move away from this old life of mine. I want to come out of my Egypt. And I want to cross this wilderness where you will be with me in this wilderness. You will provide for me. So if that is you online, I want you to pray this prayer also. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and I ask your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. 
I turn my, from my sins and I invite you to come into my heart and my life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and my Savior. Amen.